welcome to the Big Ed Idea Podcast, a podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week, we bring you a new idea, however big or bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now, here's your host, my dad, Ryan Scott. Well, hello there. Thank you so very much for coming back to the Big Ed Idea Podcast. I am Ryan Scott. Uh, Just like I always do in every episode, I just want to uh, absolutely tell you thank you for click and play. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for following me um, on this uh, journey of love uh, where I am trying to improve my podcast 1% every episode. And so um, tonight we have a treat with us uh, or, or this morning whenever you are listening um, I met this young lady with a wonderful group of people. Actually, they have become kind of like my, my tribe. Um, we meet on Tuesday mornings, virtually, obviously. Um, they are called the Mastermind, and they are a group of administrators from literally all around the country, Canada. Um, I think once or twice we've, we've had people from other countries, um, but it's, it's just a group of people that are... Uh, very passionate about what we do um, and are crazy enough to think that what we do changes the lives and changes the world um, along the way. And so um, this young lady reached out to me and she's like, Ryan, hey, you know, I've got this idea. Would you like to, uh, you know, record me? I'm like, absolutely, because I've heard her talk on the mastermind and, you know, she's got something to say. Um, And, you know, not everybody that talks is worth listening, but this young lady is. So Without further ado, I would like to introduce my friend and now your friend, Miss Debbie Tannenbaum. Miss Debbie, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Man, I am good. I'm not too bad. Uh, we were talking uh, prior, you know, our pre-recording, and um, yesterday I got my COVID, my second shot of my COVID, and man, I was doing wonderful yesterday, and then midnight last night. Um, and it hit me like a ton of bricks and I had, um, body, I had chills, body aches, all that stuff. But, um, as is the life of an administrator, I had four observations that I had to get done. Um, so I begrudgingly went into work. That second shot is tough. (laughs) It is tough. Um, but you know what the, um, the alternative is way worse. So I don't mind to, absolutely. you know, I don't mind to put up with a little bit and, and like I put on my social media post, you know, I don't get that. We don't get that shot for us. We do it for other people. Um, so without further ado, I want to introduce you a little bit. Um, Miss Debbie, you are a school-based technology specialist with the Fairfax County public schools in Virginia. You are a blogger and recently you added the title of author. Is that right? That's absolutely right. I'm super excited about that. I'm, and I believe I'm going to be the first author for this publishing company. Wow, that is so cool. So um, honestly, did you ever think that you would ever write a book? Like, honestly? No, I really didn't. And honestly, I kind of did it because in 2019, I was in a Twitter chat and somebody asked, what, if you could do anything, what did you want to do? And I said, I want to write a book. And that person said, just do it. And a few weeks ago, I got an endorsement from that same person. <laughs> That's so cool. And, and you know what you said, honestly, I've heard other guests on my show say it, 
um, and has really resonated and it resonated with me, you know, um, I don't know if you know Hal Bowman, um, he is, uh, he does the teach like a rock star, um, motivational speaker and, um, PD guru dude. He's a good friend of mine. And, um, he put out the call of, uh, people that wanted to do a podcast and he offered this little mini workshop for anybody that wanted to learn. And I was like, well, you know, it's COVID, um, I don't really have much to do. Um, might as well. So yeah, kind of like you, I just did it, just jumped in and, um, I don't know about you, but it's, it's amazing what God can do when we just do it. Absolutely. I think about all the things that have gone on in my life, especially in the last two years. And my life's completely different than it was before all of these things. Yeah. Better. Absolutely better. It's, I finally decided not to let the fear stop me. And I just decided that I was going to challenge myself no matter what. Absolutely. I, uh, and the rewards have been amazing. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I, I, no secret. I've said it on here before, you know, I struggle with anxiety. I, I definitely struggle with that, um, imposter syndrome that, um, our buddy Ray Porton talked about a little bit on his podcast. Um, but I think, and this is, this is honest, like the coolest thing that I've got out of our mastermind group is that I, my voice is worth listening to, you know, not, not in a cocky sense or a, you know, chauvinistic. No, it's, it's just, you know, people want to listen and, and I, we, we should not be afraid to stand on our soapbox. Absolutely. That's right. I feel like that's why I started blogging. I didn't think I had anything worth saying. And now I've been blogging for over two years and somebody encouraged me. They're like, you have something to say, get your voice out there and you changed my life. And you just did it. So yeah, yeah. actually I appreciate you for that. Cause that was, that was my next kind of question. Um, as far as blogging, um, what, you know, what platform or do you have your own, um, website or, you know, where, where can people read some of your, uh, your amazingness? So I, I do have my own domain name now. It's at tannenbaumtech.com. Oh, cool. And, um, I do all of my work on Google sites. Yeah. Um, it's what I started with. It's what I felt comfortable with. And since it's done such a great job improving, um, it's what I continue to use. My website's had several iterations, um, but it keeps growing. And in 2020, in 2021, I said I was going to blog every three days and I've done that. Nice. I just, I have so much pouring out. I'm like, it's, it's amazing. Um, I decided every morning I was going to spend 30 minutes writing and it makes the rest of my day totally different. It's it's cool that you say that because um, just yesterday I had a, a high school student in my office who's a virtual student and she's been really, 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 really struggling with mental health. And um, I started having a conversation with her about self-care um, and about strategies for self-care. And, you know, one of the biggest ones that I know about is just journaling, getting those thoughts out of your brain um, onto a piece of paper. So I think it's really cool that you set aside your morning. Um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the more, the more I, the, I read and I, and I find out about successful people, like successful people don't really sleep in a lot. They get up and normally the morning is very intentional. 
Um, you know, you've Absolutely. got your, yeah, you've got your writing. Um, I have a journal. I use it every day. There you go. And it tells, and I check things off as I do it. And I read every morning and I write what I, I write something new I've learned. Um, it's just become super important. It, yeah. especially as a tech person, um, right now we're just starting concurrent instruction. So there's a lot of troubleshooting. And so this is my creative outlet to start my day because some days I'm spending my whole day fixing cameras and sound. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're the tech tech. Are you, do you, are you, are you working on the tech or are you uh, installing the tech? Um, kind of what is your role in your district? My role traditionally is tech integration. So in the past, that's included me doing in the elementary school, some technology classes for the little ones, some co-teaching with grades four through six, um, working on the website, doing social media, that kind of stuff. But right now, it's kind of all hands on deck. We're getting, kindergarten came back on Tuesday, first and second grade comes back on the ninth, and then everybody comes back on the 16th. So it's kind of, you know, we're just, um, it's really a lot of troubleshooting. Every once in a while, I get to do something really creative, but right now we're just trying to do what we can to make this successful. And we do have a tech support person at my school, but we have a school of, I think we're at about 800 now for an elementary school. Oh, that's pretty big. And right now we just have kindergarten in the building and the kids who aren't virtual, but it's, a, it's gonna be a lot once everybody gets back. Um, and so, it's all hands on deck. We're all sure. working hard. Sure. Before we move on, I definitely want to hit on, you know, you being an author. I know we'll talk about that a little bit um, later, but tell our listeners, what is the name of the book that you are working on? Sure. It's called Transform, Techie Notes to Make Learning Sticky. And Transform is an acronym that talks, that starts talking about turning away from closed doors. And then by the end, um, it really told, talk, ends by talking about multiplying learning's impact. Oh, very cool. Cool. So it's, it's my journey, but in a lot of ways, it's a guide to show educators how um, technology can provide opportunities for both their students and for themselves. Nice, nice. Okay, so um, I want to jump into the, um, the portion that I call the two for two. And uh, it is essentially um, it, and I say this every episode, but it is just to model to all those folks out there, um, the extreme importance of connections before content. Um, so I want to know you a little deeper. You're going to get to know me a little bit deeper, completely outside of the education edgesphere. Um, so I've got two random questions for you, and then you will flip them back at me and uh, we'll go on from there. Sound good? Okay. All right, here we go. What is one thing that can instantly make your day better? My husband's smile. Oh, and it's not even Valentine's Day. Man, I hope he's listening. He's not, because he's right now picking up my daughter from her drama class. <laughs> well, okay, so you need to... You know, you need, if you want to score some points, you need to let him listen to that because I will. Because yeah, you that. have you have literally just professed your love to millions of people out there <laughs> in internet land. So wonderful! That's so good. That's awesome of you. But no, if I was to say, what's one thing that can instantly, um, kind of along those same veins, my wife loves to send me uh, random pics of my girls in the morning. Um, and this morning, uh, my six-year-old Hazel. 
um, was snuggled up on the couch. We have a 180 pound Mastiff and he was in her lap and she had him covered up and yeah, just, you know, those, and, and like those little Facebook pictures that pop up from like five years ago, every single time makes my day great. It's seems amazing that they were that little ones. <laughs> I know, I know. All right, my next one. What is the worst job that you have ever had? The worst job I've ever had was when I was a teenager and I was working at CVS. Ooh. Were you I a cashier? It. What? Were you I was of- a cashier. My parents decided that it would be a good job for me. <laughs> and it doesn't I sound good. It. And all the kids that were all the other people who are working there, all they did was goof off. And I always, and I, I just hated it. Like I couldn't wait to leave that job. Like, it mm-hmm. was, and I think I actually, if I remember correctly, like, I'm not sure if I got fired or let go. I don't know what happened or my, I don't even remember it so long ago, but I was happy when I left that job because I've always loved working with kids. So I didn't want to work and do that. Like I, most of my jobs were like working at daycare centers, things like that. Like to me, working at CVS was really awkward as a teenager. Right. So I'll tell you my worst. Um, The only job that I ever got fired um, when I was going through college, um, I was working sometimes three, four jobs. Um, And one of those jobs was, well, I was trying to sell copiers. I definitely was not selling copiers, Um, but it was cold calls. And they be, they would give me the car and they'd say, okay, drive to this town. And, you know, I want you to walk into these businesses and try to sell the copiers. And it was, oh, it was demoralizing. Like the number of doors that I had shut in my face. So eventually I just took to driving around randomly. Um, honestly, until they fired me because I didn't sell any copiers. But, oh, I hate, I hated that job so much. But it, it's so awesome. Um to ask people that job, especially knowing where we're at now, you know, it's, it's an awesome journey. And it's not like teaching was, was perfect to begin with either, but you know, teaching's hard at the beginning, but when you feel passionate about something, you're willing to put up and, you know, continue on, even if it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, uh, made that statement on our Voxer group the other day, you know, not being in, in my school for three weeks really had me in a funk. Um, but that first day coming back with students completely jazzed me back up. So I think you're right. You know, if you, if you're passionate about something, um, like our boy, Taylor Armstrong says, you can get through the suck to succeed. (laughs) Yep. You know, all right. Uh, what are your two questions for me? Okay. If you could have dinner with anyone in history, who would it be and why? Ooh, anyone in history. boy that is a really 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 good one um i would really like to have dinner with einstein um i would really like to pick his brain and would really like to find out if he was as eccentric as i imagine he is like you know just his haircut i imagine um I imagine his house like filled, you know, to the rafters with old newspapers. Like I imagine him a hoarder. 
um, with like thousands of cats. Um, I don't know, I, but I would love to see him. I'd love to talk to him. I'd like to pick his brain. What's your next one? Did you want me to share my answer? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Who would you have? If I could meet anybody, I'd want to meet Gold in my year. Um, growing up, I'm Jewish and growing up, I was really interested in famous Jewish women and she was the first prime woman prime minister of Israel. And oh. just the whole idea of, you know, that she was very untraditional and she went against conventions to do what she, you know, what, what she felt passionate about. Um, to me just would be super inspirational and I would love to pick her brain. And, you know, it's funny that you said that because I think you've probably taken a page from her book um, for yourself as far as the unconventional route, you know? Yep. I mean, my feeling is, is that I've always wanted to try, even what not to this extreme, but I've always wanted to try to take something that was more traditional and change it to make it more approachable. So not to the extreme of what I'm doing with the book and the blog, but even as a young kid, I would take what we did in services and I, and I would try to make it so the, the kids in my, you know, the younger kids in my congregation would be able to better understand and that content would be understandable to them. So. Sure. So um, funny story. Um, when I was in high school, I played select soccer um, on a pretty competitive team and stuff. And one of the winners we practiced, I don't know why, but we practiced in the gym of a Jewish synagogue and the synagogue in the gym had all these like really expensive paintings all around the gym. And the only thing I remember from that time was our coach telling us, if you knock one of those down, your parents are going to have to pay for them. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, thankfully I didn't have to do that, but what's your next question? So my next one's a little sillier because that was a serious one. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would you want to have? Okay, okay. I've, I've said this one before um, and, and I'm still sticking to it. Wolverine, if I could be any superhero, it would be Wolverine. Um, primarily, he's got really cool hair, but um, just to be able to have the adamantium claws, I think, you know, um, I mean, you think about it, you go to McDonald's and they don't get your order right. You just show them a couple claws and it makes it all right. <laughs> so yeah, Wolverine. And, you know, he's got a, he's got a cool uh, beard, kind of like mine. When I was thinking about this one, I was thinking more just in a superpower. So I was, if I could pick a superpower, I would want to be able to teleport. I spend way too much yeah. time going from place to place. Yeah. But I feel like Zoom kind of does that for us. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been presenting all around the country from, you know, my house, <laughs> except you can't put your toes in the sand. No, I can't. Now, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Like you wake up and it's raining. You're like, eh, screw this. I'm going to the to the beach. It would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So now that I know a little bit more about you, um, I, I, I normally ask this question and, and I definitely want to ask you, um, you know, just tell me how you got to education. Um, I, it always tells me so much about a person, especially, you know, my background is not the most straight route to education, but I'd love to hear how you got to education in the first place. Well, I'm kind of the traditional story where I remember playing with my dolls in front of the Raggedy Ann chalkboard. 
Um, I've always wanted to be a teacher. Um, I've always loved working with kids. And originally I wanted to be an elementary school French teacher. Oh. That's actually what I went to college for. Wow. And in my first, my first year, my first full year of teaching, um, I fell in love with technology. Yeah. And I was, we were doing something with Scholastic and I saw how my kids were engaged and all of a sudden I discovered this world that I didn't know existed. And I knew that this was the key to getting my kids engaged in ways that I could have never imagined. And it's so funny looking back to what I did then and what we can do now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I'm a Google level two certified teacher and going through that process. Um, there's so much cool stuff, um, that you can do, you know, the virtual tour tours, you know, building your own maps based on a book or, a um, you know, social studies unit or that kind of stuff. And I'm, and I'm really hoping more of that's going to take off, um, you know, after all this COVID stuff, but that's awesome. And I love it's that. Just, it, it just blows me away what, what kids can do now. And, you know, I joke that I got my master's in technology, um, right. My son was like a month old. He's, um, you know, 18 and he's, old, he's almost 19 years old now. Um, it's amazing in the last 18 and a half years, how much it's changed and Google didn't even exist back then. And I'm certified as well too. And I, it's amazing what these tools can help allow us to do that we could never have done before. Sure. And, and what's even cooler is like where we're going with it. Can you say that one more time? Yeah, I said, it's even cooler, you know, where we're going, like what, what the technology is going to look like in five years. Yeah. I mean, it's changed so much in the last five. All right, so I uh, now that we know each other a little bit better, I am ready to jump into the meat of the episode. Are you good with that? Yep. All right, so um, I always like to ask, you know, this is the Big Ed Idea uh, podcast, so, you know, we're all built around this big idea, um, something that has the possibility to change the world of or through um, education, and so First, before we jump to the idea, what is the problem that your idea kind of hopes to alleviate, hopes to solve, maybe helps, hopes to, to make better? Um, what is that problem? I really, as I've been thinking about it, you know, there's been a lot of really amazing opportunities within COVID to learn and grow. Yet when we look at a traditional professional development in our schools, we're still doing a lot of sitting and getting. Oh, yeah. And I don't know about you, but when I sit and get, I get bored. I cannot sit and get. So it just shocks me that in order to get credits that we have to do things in that traditional way when there's so many other ways to learn now. I mean, I think about some of the opportunities I've participated in this year, things like the Teach Better 12-hour yeah. live and, you know, some of the people who are doing, you know, live roundtables, like, you know, Teachers on Fire and, you know, our Teach Better at Admin Mastermind. I learned so much every week from that. And now we have Clubhouse popping up, which is an amazing professional learning. But only for iPhones. They don't have it for Androids. It's coming. <laughs> I'm not but in I that just, cult. I unfortunately joined it last Thursday. Oh. <laughs> Okay. It's, it's addictive. Um, 
But I just think we need to look at learning differently, just like I feel like we need to look at learning differently for our students. We need to be problem solvers. And I feel like we keep trying, if we want our students to be problem solvers and we want our students to do innovative things, then we need to do that and model that in our PD. Oh, amen. And I feel like that's a really big issue, especially right now. And I know teachers are overwhelmed. And so no one wants to sit and get when they're overwhelmed. But our teachers learned a tremendous amount of new things this past year. My teachers have, are, it's amazing all the new things they've learned because they had to, but, you know, finding a way to promote that and not it just being by school district, because we're all trying to do the same things, finding ways to do that, that's motivating and that really honors our voice and choice as educators, because people like you and I will do that on our own, but a lot of educators won't, and they should be given the opportunity to do that. I mean, you think about how much some of these conferences, for those of us who do go, how much they cost and they're cost prohibitive yeah. or you can't afford to travel. There should be ways to, and I hope we do more hybrid and virtual conferences, but there should be ways to incorporate that more voice and choice as far as PD goes, because we want to get model that for our kids. Yeah. yeah. I want to reflect on something you said, you know, you were talking about, you know, um, we kind of had to take on this tech. Um, I remember very vividly when I was an elementary principal, um, coming into the school and, and I was very googly um, and I tried to model you know I got my google level one and I I tried to start doing all of my newsletters on google slides and I um, started doing everything on google calendar and created all these different google sites and different stuff and there was a core group of the old guard and, and I don't mean that in a negative way so if any of you are listening it's not what I mean I just mean the folks that had done teaching for so long without it, they didn't see a need to become googly. Well, COVID kind of uh, blew that out of the water and said, uh, sorry, you don't have a choice. So what I love is particular in my, um, in my own high school, one of the guys on my um, caseload uh, was kind of like that but has completely embraced Google and is doing things now on Google he never, ever expected to do. But kind of like you said, he was forced to do it. And um, it, that's kind of cool. I, I agree. And I know with my primary teachers, they weren't necessarily people I got to work with last year because I saw their kids separately. I can't get over the things they're doing with their students, how my kindergarten teachers are using Pear Deck with their kids to engage them, how my first grade teachers are using Pear Deck and Google Slides. There's so much amazing stuff going on. Um, but even more than that, I've realized, and I'm not sure in high schools how it works, but we have a lot of instructional assistants in our elementary school. And because we had to be all hands on deck, they got it, were able to come to some of my summer training and they've become like, these, um, you know, these unsung heroes, They're, it's amazing. They've learned so much and they've been such a asset to our school. Um, and I wouldn't, and if it hadn't been for all this, I would have never realized it. Right, right, right. So if you were to paraphrase your problem um, into one or two sentences, how, how would you paraphrase it? I just would like us to model what we, what we want to give our students in PD. I, I, yeah, that makes sense. It makes completely sense. Right. So, 
you know, right. I, I got on my soapbox and I wrote an article, which will be coming out in Teach Better um, on the Teach Better blog, I guess next week. Um, but I really feel like it's important. I, you know. All right. So, all right, let's jump into it. So if that is the problem, what are we going to do about it? What's your idea? Like I said, I really think that it has to be more of a global solution. I really think, or a national solution. I really think we need to stop just looking within our small districts because good teaching is good teaching. And you know, you look at different states and they're talk, talking about 21st century skills or future ready skills and everybody has a different name for them. But and, essentially they're the same skills. And it's 2021. I know. <laughs> And so, you know, if we really want to do those types of things, it shouldn't matter. It, it's not about I, the county I work in, you know, does their branding for their for, for them, but it shouldn't be about that. It, we're all trying to do the same thing. We've got to work smarter versus working harder. And that's one of the reasons I love what we do in the mastermind is I get to hear what people are doing all over the country. And you know, sometimes I'll hear an idea and I'll be like, oh, I would have never, ever thought of that because it's so outside of what I, you know, of my experiences. And, you know, we're better, that whole idea of better together. We really need to think about how can we incorporate more choice? If you don't have the money in your district to provide that voice and choice, well, how, why can't we come together and pull resources and, you know, maybe offer some things that are all virtual and then offer some things once COVID's over that are hybrid or, you know, I really feel like it, it can just be that sit and get. There's so many things that we as educators need to deal with, not just technology. We need to deal with, you know, issues of equity and we need to deal with, you know, really looking at curriculum and seeing is it, what are we, what's important? Is that, that test score important or is it important that our kids can think and synthesize information? We have to kind of, we're in that time where those choices are important. And as teachers get a chance to learn in the ways that they're, you know, that double track agenda where teachers are learning in the ways that we want them to engage students. It's just really important. And I know right now we're in the middle of COVID and things are really hard and teachers are just trying to survive. But I hope that some of the lessons that we get from this experience, things that went really well, we can carry forward. And one of the things that definitely has hit me is that that whole idea of we don't need to just be within the walls of our classroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stress uh, all the time to my caseload folks um, about finding your PLN, um, whatever that is. Um, you know, my Spanish teacher, I'm, I'm from a very rural um, high school, um, the only high school in the county, and we have one Spanish teacher. So he is, he is excuse me, he is his own department. And, um, you know, it'd be very, very easy to be complacent um, or to, you know, I guess get comfortable. Um, but what I encouraged Tim was, you know, get on social media and find you a PLN of other like-minded Spanish teachers out there. Um, you know, for all of the negatives of social media, one of the amazing, um, in my mind, the amazing things is that social media has the ability to kind of flatten the world. Um, you know, like there's no reason that kids in Silicon Valley should get any better education than you know some some um, some some place in Appalachia. You know, as long as they have 
access to the internet. And I talk about this all, all the time. Um, my, one of my big ideas is that um, high schools should be teaching more of the uh, coding, more of the uh, computer hardware, um, the telework skills, because, um, and I said this the other day, you know, uh, uh, someone in my county um, could be working in New York City teleworking, but then bring back the paycheck from New York City, spend it in a rural county, and now you've just boosted the economy. Um, and it all, like you said, came down to the tech. And I just feel, feel like it's so important. I remember, and I think it was like almost 10 years ago now, one of my superintendents at a previous school district said, we shouldn't be teaching things that kids can just Google. Absolutely. And Mic yet- drop. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yet think, about, think about how much we, we test things that are google Googleable. <laughs> yes, Googleable. That is a word. And I challenge any of our listeners to send in the spelling of Googleable. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you are, you are freaking right. You are exactly right. And, and we, and I know you believe this and, and I know some of our folks out there believe this, but, um, oh gosh, what's his name? The book is what school could be, but he also wrote, um, oh gosh, Denter Smith, I think is his last name. I can't remember his name. Um, oh, Dave, Dave Schmidt, interviewed him. Yes. Yes. Um, I have read both of his books and well, he's written more than that, but I've read two of his books and, and that's exactly what he says. Um, in particular with machine intelligence, um, you know, something like, I want to say it's a crazy number, like 70% of the jobs that are around now are going to be automated within the next, um, 30 years. So, you know, the, the, the job force of the future is about skills. It's not about content knowledge, just like you are saying. Sorry, you froze on me a minute. <laughs> what was the last thing you heard me say? Um, you were talking about the books you were reading. Okay. So yeah, he says uh, machine intelligence within the next 30 years is going to get rid of something like 70% of the jobs because it's going to be automated. And so the um, future of education needs to be built around skills and not content. You know? Absolutely. All right. So before, go ahead, go ahead. You were getting ready to say something. I don't want to cut no, you No, I was just agreeing with you. Okay, okay. So technology is super, super important. And you want teachers to have access kind of to the same uh, learning strategies that they are wanting to give their own kids. Um, so talk to me, what are some ways that we can do that? So, uh, you know, just looking at like a lot of these virtual type things, you know, if teachers are required to have a certain amount of PD, um, you know, looking at, well, are we, are we developing plans that are based on what teachers, you know, are passionate about? Or are we developing plans based on, you know, some goal that was set up somewhere else yeah, and if it is office. something that they're passionate about well it shouldn't be that they can only learn within the confines of what's provided in the district and because I mean my district is huge but not every district is huge right. you know every so and even in a huge district resources are you know can be an issue um and so looking at that it that way, you know, not being as traditional. I mean, every once in a while, my district will give us credit for doing a Twitter chat. Well, why is it only awesome. every once in a while? Right. 
I mean, the ones that usually are either about PLCs or equity, but learning is learning. Yeah. Or if it is that you need certain things, we'll offer choice within those things saying, well, if you need a certain amount of PD credits that are dealing with equity, here's, here's your menu of what you can pick from. If you need things that are based on technology, I just feel like in real life, people, when they want to learn about something and when they're working on something, they do that because of a need, not because of what they're told, not because we're, we're pushing a lot of compliance. And we don't want to, we, we don't want compliance. We want empowerment. We want people to be motivated. Um, and part of that, you know, is looking at things differently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, we talk to teachers all the time. Like if you can't make your content relatable and um, relevant, there is really no reason to learn it. I, yeah. you know, and, and maybe that flies in the face of, of some things that we've traditionally done, but I, but I, but I truly believe we've got to this place in education that um, if it's not applicable and it doesn't deal with life, like you said, if you can Google it, um, there is no, and I was having this conversation yesterday, there's no reason for our kids to memorize math formulas anymore. There's no reason for us even to memorize the dates of the wars. And, you know, the, the, I hate to say it, you know, memorize all the 50 states. I, I'm sorry, I, I don't. Now, should they know how to apply that knowledge? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, I am really big and, and I would really like to see more of our PD go to that micro, that uh, micro credential, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, so that if I have somebody kind of like you, that's really into blogging, like um, let me earn a credential in, in blogging. You know, that's, that's a, that's absolutely something that would be applicable for a teacher. And I think the other part of this is that in order to really not, it's not only just about learning, but you know, it's not, once you've learned something, you really need to do something with it. And you really need to hit that reflection piece. And so a lot of times we go through professional development and it just sits there or it stays in a folder. Yes. I found that through my blogging journey, whenever I experience something that is professional learning that inspires me, I reflect on it in my blog. And so in a lot of ways, my blog is like a little bit of a professional and personal history book, but that reflection piece is so crucial to grow because we're going to have things where we're going to trip and we're going to fail and it's not going to go right the first time. And, and, but it's, that reflection is important. It's not only important for us, it's important for our kids too. To model it, right. But I feel like a lot of times we're so busy rushing through things that we skip that part. And when you skip that part, it doesn't stick. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I would, and I would counter and say, if we skip that part, real learning doesn't occur. Yeah. You know, so before uh, we start to wind down, I want to give you a chance to talk about this awesome endeavor, um, this transform techie notes to make learning sticky. So when do you anticipate this book coming out? Um, Right now we're looking at spring. I'm hoping like late March, early Um, Mm April-ish. It's, you know, I'm done the writing. We're in editing. We've even done some looking at covers and things like that. Um, It's really exciting. Well, Um, I'm gonna gonna just throw this out there. If you need a uh, 40 year old man's picture on your front cover, um, I am willing to be that model. Just, just saying, if, if you need that. 
I appreciate that offer. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, so what is going to be contained within the books of this masterpiece? So the book is really divided into three parts. Like I said, transform is an acronym. And so the first part really just talks about the shift from looking at teaching behind closed doors. When I start, started teaching, I'm a little bit older than you. Um, not much, but a little. Like we taught behind closed doors. We didn't, yeah. we didn't collaborate. None of that happened. And, and it really talks about how finding technology really helped me to go past that. So, and then it talks about ways that technology can really change and give kids opportunities. Um, I talk about tools that I really feel strongly about that help kids getting gain experiences that they couldn't have without the tech. Yeah. And then talking about pushing that creation. I feel it's so important for kids to create. I feel like a lot of technology usage is consuming. Yeah. You think about all these big sense. companies and it's a drill and kill. Yeah. Um, I feel really strongly. I've done a lot of work with thinking routines and empowering student voice and really trying to focus on that part is super important to me. Yeah. And then the next part talks really about making sure that we have agency for not only our students, but ourselves. I work with really little kids um, and it talks about how I found ways to help my little ones build agency, how we use icons to figure things out. And, you know, and then as it moves on, it talks about me starting to find my voice um, and you reach and you know, my PLN and all of that. Um, when I just, I only discovered Twitter in 2017 yeah, I'm, I'm a newbie as well. Yeah. And it changed my life. Oh, um, sure. and yeah. Then I found podcasts and all sorts and all sorts of other things. And so the book kind of goes through that as well. And then the last part of the book is really focused on that last part of that transformation. How, you know, I started blogging and how um, in, you know, 2020, I decided it was my year of challenge and I challenged myself to do things I didn't think I could do. Um, and this is my year of transformation in 2021. And I'm really embracing that feeling of uncomfortable because I know that I can do things that I never thought I could do before. And I just love waking up every day knowing that I'm creating and I'm forming to a new level. Um, it just, it, it makes me so happy to see, you know, I have my job at school, which I love. But then I also have now this other thing that I'm working on that, you know, my blog and my book and that I'm so passionate about. And um, I just love the idea that this could turn into something of its own, um, especially as my kids get older and I don't have to worry about um, children in the house. Mm -hmm. I have three more years, three and a half more years left until my youngest is in college. So it sounds like to me, Debbie, life is good. Life is good right now. I, I'm really, I'm just, I, I, I'm, I feel very fortunate that I've just gotten, that the, I've opened myself to opportunities that I would have been afraid of. I grew up kind of being nervous and not wanting to try things because I doubted myself. And now I'm not doubting myself. Now I'm going ahead and I'm just, my, my new thing is that if I don't try, I won't get. So that's a good one. You know? That, yeah, that's a good one. And like last year, I presented at 10 virtual conferences. I have a book coming out. None of these things would have happened if I hadn't jumped and taken a leap. And I mean, I only met Darren, who's my publisher, 
on Christmas Eve of last year. I mean, it's, it's been two months I've known him and it's, it blows my mind. But I'm going to bring this back. A lot of this had not ha- would not have happened without technology. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so, you know, to, to kind of close this out, um, I love what you have talked about tonight. Um, I love, you know, you, you essentially with maybe even without saying it, the, um, the power of technology to level the playing field, um, the power of technology to inspire, um, the power of technology to, um, give us agency to do things that never in a million years would we have um, ever have done on our own. So in saying that, um, bravo to you. Um, I think you are rocking it. You are killing this thing called life. Um, I definitely want a signed copy of this book as soon as it comes out. Um, Yeah, like, I'm happy to have met you. I love our conversations that we have and um, please, you know, keep, keep rocking it. Um, so let our listeners know if there are anybody, if there is anyone out there that has got a passion for technology, because, uh, you know, the stated purpose of this podcast is to connect the vision of one with the, with the passions of another. So if there's anyone out there that's got a passion for tech and they, or shoot, maybe they have thought about blogging or they have thought about uh, writing a book and, and they just want to, you know, c- connect with you. How can they do that? The best way to connect with me is definitely Twitter. I'm on other social media, um, but Twitter is the one that I'm on the most um, and it's Tannenbaum Tech. And it's actually that on all social media except for Facebook. So, um, but I love to talk to other educators. One of the things that I've I feel that is wonderful about education, especially in the connected educator space is that we're all here to support each other. And I have to say the nicest people I've ever met, I've met through Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, one thing I'm passionate about and one thing I wish, um, all of education would get on board is that education is not a competitive sport. And, um, if we start to share our resources, like you are saying, um, man, just some, some big, some good things might happen. So Miss Debbie, I appreciate you so much for joining me. Um, I'm so number one, I'm so glad, um, that I was up to interviewing you tonight. I'm glad these symptoms subsided. It might've, might've helped. I took some leave and I drank some coffee that always helps, but, uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate your, um, professional knowledge. And, um, I have, absolutely grown tonight so thank you and I want to thank you for having me on this was really great Um, I really enjoy um, the conversations we have during the mastermind and I've really enjoyed our conversation tonight and I I feel like joining the mastermind was one of those things that just kind of happened and it's for the last what six or seven weeks since I've been doing it like every Tuesday I can't wait yeah absolutely it, it's like the highlight of the day. And even if I can't make it in the morning, I try to make it at night because there's inspiration about when you're around other educators that are as passionate as you are. Yep. I've got mastermind, um, as a sitting calendar invite in Google calendar. Um, that way nothing else gets scheduled. Um, my 
office people know now on Tuesday mornings to leave me alone because I'm <laughs> I am learning. So uh, have you had fun tonight? Absolutely. And I'm not a night person. So for me, you know, staying being having this much energy at nine o'clock at night. <laughs> hey, I always told my students, I always told my students, if you're not having fun, you're not learning. So thank Absolutely. you very much. Um, and to my listeners, I'm going to start a new tradition tonight. Uh, as most of you know, I like to grow 1%. And so I wanted to start leaving you with a quote. Um, at the end of my episode. And so tonight, my quote is, they say I dream too big, but I say they think too small. Keep dreaming big, my friends. Until next time. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper. <laughs>